0: Apple changes the name from the iPhone to the spy phone as we inch closer to an utopian society where we can all live in absolute safety knowing that the elite rulers know your every thought even before you do. So you can sleep soundly at night knowing that big tech will use their data to arrest you long before you know that you're even about to do anything which ultimately will keep you safe from yourself hey it's lucas Scrobot, and you're listening to the lucas Scrobot show where we uncover purpose pursue truth and own the future episode 247 august 8th 2021 coming to you from the heart of the middle east and it's very hot and very humid but it won't stop apple from making its big moves yes The iPhone is now officially the spy phone. Apple announced this week that they are finally allowing big tech to, and their algorithms, to scan your iPhone photos, anything that's on the phone that goes up to the cloud, they, the iCloud, they will begin to scan those images for child abuse. So for the evil actors, the very evil, nefarious, wicked, debased actors in the world that are peddling child pornography and uh, child abuse photos—they should beware. the The issue is: I I highly doubt that they were are going to continue to use this platform of the of iOS and iPhones now that they know that this isn't a a safe data protected platform for their photos because if if I was a criminal if I was a criminal I would say to myself hmm maybe I shouldn't put those photos on my phone because they're going to get found out they're going to get searched and we a few episodes back we talked about these global sting operations with these uh, encrypted phones that the FBI also managed to weasel their way into, actually manufactured and sold them, which took down a huge criminal networks, multiple criminal networks across the globe, which is awesome. It's awesome to see governments taking creative stance to fight wicked men and women who are trafficking children and drugs across the world. So let's not, let's not be foolish to say that this is all bad. I think t- human trafficking and child trafficking is one of the darkest, most unthinkable, wickedest thing that we that, that has existed for thousands of years. It's not new, but it is something absolutely that we should fight against. However, at the same time, this does raise a lot of questions for a lot of people when it comes to, is this going to turn into a slippery slope where governments continue to gain more and more access to your data, where privacy becomes more and more of an illusion? Well, ironically, Apple has founded itself and based itself and time and time again, worked to prove itself that it was the phone and the platform for privacy. In fact, One of their advertisements said, what happens on your phone, what happens on your iPhone stays on your iPhone. This is a recent, you know, model uh, motto and ad. What happens on your iPhone stays on your iPhone. Well, now, what happens on your spy phone, it's going to be algorithmized, if that's a word. It's going to go through an algorithm. The data is going to be crunched. And your profile is going to be sent to the the powers that be. Now that is the, the slippery slope slope argument. Will it actually move away from the the government and Apple looking for photos of child abuse and will it actually move on towards let's say them looking at your photos for misinformation or scanning, you know, Apple has the ability to to scan facial recognition. Are they going to start looking through your photos to find out who are are you connected with? Or if they're looking for a certain individual, are they now going to be able to look through private photos to be able to find where that individual is or who had contact with a specific individual around a certain time? All these things are, are very possible once the door is cracked open. And even if there are good actors, that are are fighting things like human trafficking, that open door to their system can, in the future, be used for bad actors, nefarious actors, people who want to uh, take advantage of your privacy. And it's happened throughout history. We're we're seeing it happen as it is right now. But let's let's quickly go into some of the... uh, technical side of how Apple actually plans to scan all these photos and what it actually means. Because on the face of it, it sounds really bad. It seems like they are going to look through all of your photographs and uh, you, you've you lost all privacy. But this, that's not actually the case. I think there really could be enough safeguards to make the the pros and cons worth it but but i do i do wonder if this opens the door for a further erosion of privacy in in the midst of a world where there already seems to be a a, a lack of privacy and a increase of censorship And those are the two things: a lack of privacy and increase of censorship, especially around ideas like misinformation. Well, how how does how does this technology work? Well, when you take a photo on your phone, and then it's being uploaded to iCloud if you have an iCloud account. Before it actually uploads to the iCloud, your image is going to be run through an algorithm to create a neural hash. Now a neural hash, you know, as I read through the, the Apple documentation of how this process works, it's pretty much a string of numbers, ones and zeros that create a unique ID for every single image. So if you take an image and you alter it or crop it or write something on it or make it black and white, the algorithm can recognize based on image recognition, it can recognize that these two images or these three images, or however many, all come from the same image, no matter what format it's in, and it creates a a single neural hash for that image, even though it's in multiple formats. So even though you might crop the image, you might turn it into black and white, it would have the same neural hash image, which uniquely identifies that photo. After that neural hash is created, that number is then encrypted, encrypted into what's called a blind hash. So Apple doesn't actually get access to the neural hash number in their system, in their algorithm. It becomes an encrypted blind hash, so they don't actually know what image that actually is. Those blind hash images are then matched against the child and sex abuse uh, a database. So there is a, in the dark underworld, there is a large database of photographs that are frequently shared in the, the dark internet, the dark web among people. And so these, they've collected a large library of images of child abuse all of those images then are have been created into the same system a neural hash which then is encrypted and so the blind hashes of your images are then compared with the blind hashes of the the child sexual abuse material database or it's this CSAM CSAM database and if the numbers match then those images will be flagged if your, your blind hash do not match any of the images that are in the database, then it flows on through. Apple doesn't see it. No one sees it. No one has access to your photographs unless they match an image that is in a standing database of child abuse. Now, the first image or the second image isn't, does it automatically flag your account? But once you reach a certain threshold and they don't say what that threshold is, then your account becomes flagged. They don't even see, oh, you know, someone has three strikes against their account and at the fifth strike, it becomes flagged. They don't even see that. They only see once it surpasses the threshold, then your account is flagged. Then it's sent to a real person who is only able to open up those select images, which the blind hashes were a match for. They open up those images and confirm that it is images of child abuse. And then at that point, your account is flagged, your iCloud account is shut down, and your information is sent to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. So when you look at that process and that system, you say, well, it's going to be pretty unlikely that any person that isn't hiding something is going to get flagged. But the way the algorithms work, all of the above, it's going to be very, very rare for an individual who is totally clean, not doing anything wrong, nothing nefarious, is going to have their images flagged and looked at by an individual, by a human being. Apple states this in their documentation. They say nothing is learned about non-matching images. Even if the device generated inner encryption key for the account is reconstructed based on the above process, the image information inside the safety voucher or the 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 uh, neural hash and the image itself, that information for non-matches are still protected by the outer layer of encryption. Thus, with a combination of private set intersections and threshold sharing, secret sharing, Apple is able to learn the relevant images information only once the account has met the threshold number of c spam matches, even then only for the matching images. So even for the criminals that get caught with child pornography, the only images from that database that Apple will actually be able to see are only the images that are flagged. They are not then able to go and look at all of the images in their private database or on their their phone, only the images that are flagged once it meets the number. So Apple is not, running algorithms and doing deep learning from these images on your phone, they're not, at this point, they're not tracking facial recognition and and all that. But I'm sure if someone wanted to, that is a possibility. Because the, the, the amount of data in a photograph, it's not just the photo that has the data, but there's a whole level of metadata, which is on what phone was the photo taken, who took the photo, where was the photo taken, With the geotag, the time, there's a world of data, and from one image, you can pretty much find out the exact location on the globe that an image was taken. And that is even if you just share an image to a friend or post an image online, all that data normally is is packed within the metadata of an image, which points to something, I think, should be more startling for us, which is, in many ways, we've already given up these liberties. We've already given up these freedoms of privacy in exchange for the expedience, the expedience of technology, the ease of technology, the ease of connecting with one another. Now, the New York Times wrote on this, and they they said this, which I, I found uh, insightful, very relevant. They said U.S. law requires tech companies to flag cases of child sexual abuse to the authorities. Hand clap for a righteous and just law. This is a good law. Apple has historically flagged fewer cases than other companies. Last year, for instance, Apple reported 265 cases to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. While Facebook reported 20.3 million, Facebook reported 20 plus million cases in 2020 to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, Apple 265, which does say something about their privacy rules and regulations versus something that you're posting or an evil actor is posting on Facebook. And it says that these evil actors, they are not just on the dark web, they're not just hiding in their encrypted tunnels, but they're actually using platforms like Facebook, which should be, uh, at this point, open source knowledge to know that that information, yeah, it's not staying there, it's going to the authorities, It's, it's going to get reported the new york times goes on to say that enormous gap is due in part to apple's decision not to scan for such material setting users' privacy so this is you know this is not just a cut and dry well this is a, a bad a bad decision a bad move by apple they are working to fight against evil nefarious men and women who deserve to go to jail for the rest of their lives, who are exploiting children, who are trafficking young boys and young girls, 20% of of people who are trafficked in the United States, at least 20% are males. And the average age, uh, the last statistic that I saw, the average age into trafficking Human trafficking, sex trafficking is between the ages of 11 and 13, I believe. So that means there's kids younger than that who are brought into this. It's a horribly dark world, and I am actually am glad that people will be thrown in jail and the world will be made a safer place, Lord willing, inshallah, because of these laws. However, There's the other side. When we give up safety, we are exchanging parts of our liberties and we're opening a door for abuse of the liberties of men and women who are totally innocent, but may have a worldview or may have an agenda or may stand against evil actors who want to, to destroy them, who want to throw them in jail. And this has happened historically in the past in the USSR, and it can, it, it's happening now. The New York Times also reported in the same article, they say the New York Times reported this year that Apple had compromised its Chinese users' private data in China and proactively censored apps in the country in response to pressure from the Chinese government. So just because Apple is doing one thing in America, it doesn't mean That now, or at a future date, they aren't going to protect, or they they're not going to continue to protect the data of the normal citizen. And right now, right now, what we're seeing across the tech world—Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, any any tech platform—we're seeing the use of quote unquote misinformation which is any information that goes against or criticizes or asks questions, raise legitimate questions of the establishment, of the, the, the narrative and the powers that be, even when, you, even when people are quoting data put out by the CDC that contradicts maybe a national policy those people are getting flagged on, on Twitter and getting their, their accounts suspended. Even, even now when people are saying that a man is a man and a woman is a woman, men, men cannot give birth to children. Men cannot lactate. That, that is now, that's misinformation, that's hate crime. So this, this could easily, this could easily be used as a backdoor for nefarious actors or governments who want to spy on their citizens, not to catch trafficking criminals, but to catch people that maybe have a view that is contrary to a a political or sociological or ideological stance of, of the state, whatever state that. Might be, and this is this has happened in the past. This has happened all throughout the USSR, and as we just read, this has happened across China. The, The going back, the end of our privacy in the digital realm. We we feel it in moments like these, but really by and large it is an illusion our privacy is an illusion if we're using these these apps and platforms like youtube like facebook tiktok uh, instagram there are profiles being used against us if we're using uh, credit cards credit cards there are profiles being created about us and that data is for sale to third parties and the backdoors to all of these systems indeed exist even if even if Apple doesn't create a backdoor our phones can be hacked without you even having to click on a malicious link they can get access to your phone whether that is an Android or an iPhone people who want to access what you say what you think what you read they really can and there are people who really truly have motive to censor and stop and control what you think, what you say, and who you interact with. Now, along with this uh, update that Apple made, they also released, which is again, it's a it's it's a mixed bag on this. But they they released a new update as well that gives protection protection. Uh, against minors from receiving nude receiving or sending nude images. So if you have a family plan with your children on that family plan, they are now able to flag an image before your your minor under 13 child before they send or receive a nude image. And so they are able to scan this data, this algorithmic metadata and do enough information to say this is actually a nude photo this is sensitive information and they can flag it so before the kid can even see it they're getting a notification saying this could be sensitive are you sure you want to see it and they say it's your choice but your parents want to know you're safe and they can say Show the photo, or don't show the photo, and the parent would be alerted that their child just received a, a, a photo with sexually explicit images, which is, in some ways, this is really great, because there are sick, there are sick, perverted people <laughs> on the Internet that pose as, as young young girls or young guys. And then they prey on minors, on minor girls. And the, the numbers, if you start looking at the numbers of stories that are out there of, of the amount of abuse that has happened or, or situations where girls get trafficked or actually meet up with someone who turns out to be 40, even though you know it turns out to be a 40-year-old man where they were really posing as a 14-year-old girl, it is it's disgusting. So in some ways, this is really good that parents are then able to control and keep their children safe in a world where the phone is a dangerous place. In a world where a kid is only two or three clicks away from from either making a decision to meet someone that ends them up in trafficking and or clicking on viewing content, clicking on content or, or engaging in activity that young kids could essentially be damaged uh, and shamed for the rest of their life. So but this also then begs the question, will this be used in the future? Does this then crack an open door that even though Apple is not viewing these images, but they're able to censor these images and we're seeing these, we're seeing these alerts all over social media today every single post it seems there's a little tag at the bottom saying this could be misinformation here's a fact check of why the fact check to the fact check was wrong here this this is sensitive content there's now your options to to say well how much sensitive content do you want to see who's controlling that who who are the sensors that are controlling that maybe this is a good thing for our children today? Yes. But will it morph into further and further sensorial ship where now you can set a setting on your phone and say, please alert me before someone sends me a a fake news screenshot. Please alert me before someone sends me a, a possibly offensive meme. Are we moving to a place that is so safe that we're giving up all of our rights and liberties, where we turn into what really was the USSR, where everyone is being spied on, and uh, through technology, through through their family, their letters were being read, and people were going to concentration camps because they were under the suspicion of having uh, ideological beliefs that opposed the the communist party. Well, back to Apple. To close up this segment, Apple had a a great ad all the way back in 1984. Classic, famous ad of uh, a dystopian society where this young Olympian-looking woman runs through the the gray uh, scenes of mindless men staring at screens and 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 communist-esque uh, military groups chasing after her, and she throws her hammer and destroys the, 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 uh, the screen, and then Apple says this at the end of their clip. I'm gonna play this 20-second clip for you. Our shall talk themselves to death we, them with own ah!
1: we shall prevail. The
0: screen explodes. On January 24th, Apple Computer will introduce Macintosh. And you'll see why 1984 won't be
1: like 1984.
0: Back in 1984, Apple vowed that, essentially said, we're breaking that 1984. And in 1984, a book by George Orwell wrote in uh, 1959, I believe. He he wrote in detail how technology creates this sensorial state. And he didn't write it out of thin air. It wasn't just out of a fantasy. Orwell used to be actually a a huge proponent of socialism and and the Communist Party. But then over the the decades, his eyes became more and more opened to see the the destruction that these Marxist, uh, socialist, communist ideas brought. And he over time turned to be very Opposed to that ultra collectivist uh, worldview of socialism and communism. And that's where he wrote the famous book 1984, where it, pretty much even your thoughts, everything that you did was watched and tracked. And, and you more or less had a social credit score. Now, a social credit score, it's happening already, and, and we're seeing further moves to that. It's not just happening in China and we're going to play a, a clip describing how the social credit score happens in China, but we're seeing that even now with vaccine passports. Now, if you have done your risk assessment and you decided I am going to get a vaccine, great. Good. You did your risk assessment. You took the decision as an adult and you decided to get the jab. I don't I don't think it's the mark of the beast. There's a lot of conspiratorial ideas out there, but if you did your risk assessment and you said, you know what, I'm young, I'm healthy, I don't feel like this is a risk that I'm willing to take, or I'm I want to wait until I see more data before it's FDA approved, I'm just gonna wait a little longer. I understand that point of view too. It does feel very crazy that people are being mandated to take a vaccine that has not been approved by the FDA as of this point on August 8th, 2021, and it's still being only used under emergency authorization use. And yet, people are saying, well, if you don't get it, you shouldn't be able to go to the grocery store. You shouldn't be able to go to work. You shouldn't be able to leave your home. And there, there are people... In the streets across France, across the UK, across Australia, protesting, saying we do not want this level of control. We do not want to have to be subjected to show our papers or a digital, you know, beep-in screening COVID passport to get into the supermarket. Because what is that data going to be used for? Remember, they said that the, the contact tracing data on our phones. Was only going to be used for for COVID, and yet in Perth they used it that data to track criminals, and the police said, "Yeah, well, it happened." So these are not merely uh, uh, baseless fears that people are throwing out or conspiratorial things. I, there is a legitimacy to it uh, that it isn't. It is not about whether you get the vaccine or not, but it is about the authoritarian overstep, totalitarian overstep that moves us one step closer to that dystopia, to that utopia, depending on what you think, of a social credit score where the government knows everything about your life. Well, that is already happening in China. Here is a uh, somewhat, it's a two-minute clip Um, from NBC Nightly News that they do a great job talking about what is happening and what the the social credit score currently is in China. And then we'll extrapolate a little bit more on how we're seeing that begin to be a possibility that we might see elsewhere in the world.
2: Everywhere she goes, Ouyang Haoyu is followed. What she buys, how she behaves is tracked and scored to show how responsible and trustworthy she is. It's called the social credit system and in one version now being tested, a person's reputation is scored on a scale of 350 to 950. And you with a good score of 752, is okay with it. In fact, most people are. It's a mechanism like uh, pushes you to become a better citizen.
0: Now, this is true. Uh, as as the proverb goes, it's the fear of God that keeps us from evil, and the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Even Thomas Aquinas, the the famous philosopher, uh, who is a you know a, a far removed student of Aristotle, talks about this. He talks about how human laws or laws can be powerful enough to coerce even the most evilly disposed men and women in the direction of virtue, and that that laws are directed always for the common good and to promote virtue. On top of that, as Aristotle pointed out, many people are kept from committing crimes because of fear of the law. And Thomas Aquinas accepts this and even suggests that by coercion, even evil men who are disposed to do wicked things may turn and lead a life in the direction of virtue, which is, this is the argument that is being made right now in in this clip in China saying, I think that this is a good thing that pushes people to be better. This is the, the rationality behind it. The clip with, MSN, with NBC uh, goes on. It's
2: big data meets big brother, expanding how the government monitors, understands, and ultimately controls its 1.4 billion citizens. <laughs> thanks to advances in artificial intelligence and facial recognition and a web of more than 200 million surveillance cameras. Are people bothered by privacy concerns?
1: We think uh, it's a lot of cameras keep the safety is really good. We can accept it.
0: So now we have technology where every person, their facial recognitions being tracked, their cars are being tracked around around cities with 200 million cameras watching every move. And from that, the argument is, well, it's a public place, their safety, and this creates a, a safer place where people will be deterred from committing crime. Again, the fear of the law turning people to create, uh, to lead a more virtuous life.
2: Companies are experimenting with the algorithms to help the government create the new national social credit system. The government also has pilot projects. In one, citizens are required to do hours of unpaid work to get benefits. And scores are docked for things like littering, a messy yard, gossip, even jaywalking. Video of offenders is shown on the local news. And information collectors like Joe I Ni are paid to report on their neighbors. Her quota, ten entries a month. Like the man who carried a drunk person home. A good deed, she says. Good social credit gets rewarded with perks like cheap loans and travel deals. But a bad score means public shame and worse. Huang Hui
0: so there are there's an argument that they're being is being built is that, okay, well, if we can see everything that people are doing and we can track all this, well, then we can know where there's crimes. But it goes beyond that into saying, if you agree with the party line, if you are, are what we consider a good member of society, then we will give you a better score, and that better score will give you a better credit score. That, for instance, or get you uh, maybe better loans or rewards or recognition. And the failure to be a good citizen or the failure to go along with the party line results in a negative score. If you're criticizing uh, the party line, just as happened in the USSR, if you're criticizing, well, then you are deemed, uh, you know, your score gets stocked and you do not have permission to have free movement.
2: Lost a court case and didn't pay. Now he's on a government blacklist. I can't buy airplane or train tickets, he says. And the list goes on. Being discredited makes it hard to get a job or put kids in top schools.
0: So now there's a fear that, well, if I speak out against something, that will dock my credit score and that will hurt my kids' future my kids won't be able to get into the school or i might lose my job i might not be able to get a promotion because of my social credit score so it it acts not just against crime but it's controlling every aspect of your life i mean does this and it certainly could and probably does reach into how much you exercise how healthy food you eat and there there's a level of of legislating just and righteous laws, but there is also a level that that is correct within uh, governments across the world of letting people be individuals to make bad decisions, whether it's with their health, whether it's with uh, exercise, whether it's with smoking, drinking there there is a a level of tolerance there that Governments say, you know what, we recognize that this is bad for you. And we're gonna tell you that drinking, you know, fifty quarts or gallons or whatever of soda every week is going to destroy your body, but you have the freedom to do that. And yet you still have the freedom to be a part of society. But now we're moving away from that and saying, Well, if you don't follow what we deem is right, you are going to lose the ability to function as a an autonomous and free individual in society
2: the social credit system will go nationwide next year and few here are willing to criticize it something that may pose a risk itself for a bad score and the life that comes with it
0: and that's the thing you no longer have any ability to criticize to criticize those that hold the power, or the system that holds the power, because if you do, you'll lose your credit score. You'll you'll lose your standing, and this is what happened all across the USSR. If people would to turn off their televisions before all or the, or the radios before all the accolades of Stalin, which would last for minutes and minutes at the end of programs, if they turned it off, their neighbors would report, just like here. They'd report to the secret police, and they would get called in and arrested and sent to a gulag for a concentration camp for hard labor for 25 years. And then what happens the next week? The person that turned them in also gets sent. Why? Because there's an association. They know each other. They were neighbors. And therefore, the neighbor that turned them in must have had some sentiment as well. The, way, the place that this has led historically in the past of this uh, really 1984 world where there's control down to the minute detail of your life that can be argued to say well this is protecting society this is encouraging people to live in the right way it can also be used against people who have a political view or stance or a moral view or stance or religious view or stance just like many people in China right now, the Uyghurs, who have an ethnic identity that is seen as a threat. Do we really want to go down that road as a society? Because it is it is, as we said, is the fear of the law, the fear of punishment, that keeps us away from breaking laws being evil people. And yet it is the love of God for us, his kindness for us, that leads us to do good, that leads us and causes change in us to walk rightly, to walk justly, to walk humbly, to walk meekly, to serve one another, to make better choices and decisions with our life, not our love for him, but his love for us. And this is a, a this idea that the, it's a fear, the fear of punishment. It keeps us from evil, but it doesn't drive us to doing good. And that's where I see these social systems and credit systems falling short is that it's not going to drive us. There might be some incentives, but it won't ultimately drive us doing good. But it is, it is a system of freedom, a system of love that drives us to becoming the people, the ideal people that we want to be filled with patience and kindness and peace. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. In a post-truth society where we have exchanged truth for lies and reasons, for post-modern irrationality, the absurd finally makes sense. And what's absurd is for uh, YouTube being so sensorial taking down videos, blocking people left and right. They are very one-sided about it. And they are very open to promote their ideologies, which of course every every platform every person wants to promote what they believe over the other 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 viewpoints which they are now actively censoring whether uh, uh, along the lines of quote-unquote misinformation or along the lines of hate speech, for instance, saying that a man is a man, end of story. There are two, two gender identities, there's two genders, male and female. Well, that is, that is hate speech, and uh, it's definitely not what YouTube wants to promote, the, the omniscient oral truth of uh, purity and wholesomeness of YouTube. Uh, well, on Twitter this week, they they were promoting a podcast called Man Enough Podcast. And, uh, well, I'm going to play a, a bit of the clip that <laughs> they were promoting with uh, a trans activist, uh, ALOC.
1: I'm non-binary, which means it's not just that I'm challenging the binary between male, female, man, woman but between us and them. And in your statement, you said, why don't I help them as if this struggle is not your struggle too. The reason you don't fight for me is because you're not fighting for yourself fully. And any movement that's trying to emancipate men from the shackles of heteropatriarchy or emancipate women from traditional gender ideology has to have trans and non-binary people at the forefront because we are actually the most honest. We're tracing the root. Where do these ideas of manhood and womanhood come from? They They're the
0: most honest. So, so here's a, a trans activist. If, you, if, you, if you're listening on a podcast certified 2.0 app, you'll see an image of this trans man who identifies as they, them, gender non Binary, non-conforming, and uh, talking about how even you or I, we are actually unbeknownst to ourselves. we're we're oppressed. We're caught up in a lie. We're not living out our authentic selves. But who is the most authentic? Well, it's the trans community. They are the most authentic. They're the most honest. But when you look up I mean, honesty, when you when you hear the word honesty you think of moral character you think of uh, things like integrity and truthfulness straightforwardness and it comes back down to uh, in society today this putting on a pe- pedestal of authenticity everyone needs to be be your authentic self trust your feelings only you can know your truth and this uh, this exaltation of authenticity, it's actually not a virtue. And honesty without discretion is not a virtue either. If you are always honest with your feelings and you do whatever you desire, that doesn't lead to a virtuous life. If I was, or if my wife was always honest with her feelings and I was always honest with my feelings and I just let my feelings run wild without taking my emotions and my thoughts under control and taking those things captive and disciplining myself to say, no, I want to actually be a virtuous person. That the moment that I'm frustrated at someone, I'm not going to explode in my honesty and yell at them. Or the moment that I I am struggling or doubting, have a moment of doubt maybe in marriage, I'm not just going to leave and be like, well, you know, I'm just following my honest feelings, it does not produce virtue, this, I, this, this exaltation of honesty. Even when people say, well, I'm just being honest, and then they follow up with a, a horrendous, rude, and undercutting statement, they say that phrase is honest as if it justifies uh, rudeness or justifies crassness or justifies uh, whatever position they might be propagating because it's your authentic self so how can you how can you criticize how can you criticize that come from a binary
1: structure and so that's why people like me who are visibly gender nonconforming who are both feminine and masculine and none of the above we experience the brunt of all of these collective fantasies that were created that are killing other people
0: they experience the brunt of all these collective fantasies that were created, that were killing other people. The collective fantasy that is being discussed here is that there are two genders, male and female, which is what a large percentage of the world across the globe believes. When you look at the, the three main monotheistic faiths, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, which that makes up about oh, what nearly two thirds of the world's population. God created them, male and female. But these are now considered social constructs that are, as he said, quote, killing people. Killing people. This is this is the what this is the product of of many things, but it's the product of, of of a soft society, of a society that has grown in so much in comfort and so much in self-indulgence that we have to continue to push our ideas of of transcending, to find meaning, to find purpose, to, to, to find something to fight for. Because all of our needs are met. All of our physical needs in the, the life of comfort that we live. So we continue to push the bounds of how to I, I, differentiate ourselves and when we, when we meld in the postmodern world and worldview where there is no such thing as reason, there's no such thing as truth, where there's no such thing as uh, objective morality, where there's no such thing as morality, it's only power, and built into this postmodern worldview, the goal is Uh, is to undermine Christian Judeo values that says a man should be married to a woman and have children. And this is the healthy way because why? Because that creates generational wealth and that creates private land ownership, which the communism, postmodernism, they hate that. They hate that. They want to undermine that aspect of humanity. Clip
1: goes on that are also killing us. It just looks different. Mm. And so one of the things that I try to do in my work is say, don't show up for me because you wanna protect me or you wanna help me. I don't need your help. I have an unshakable and irrevocable sense of who I am because I am divine. I come from people who were exterminated and targeted by colonists because the gender binary, and we can get into this, was superimposed on black people, indigenous people, and people of color by European colonists. And the reason that they targeted us is because they knew our power, right? So the reason that there's so much animus against me is because of my power. I don't need
0: to be legitimate. Okay, pause right there. First, they said, he said, trans people are divine. And this is something that you you hear often. I've seen billboards that says, you know, give your ties, give your money to trans people because they are divinity, they are divine, which is this idea that they are as if they are the shamans of our age that have transcended the the bounds of of human social constructs and the the lies that we live in and they are the ones that are pointing us to to the the upward morality and and true freedom it's not based in truth, but it's based in uh, the the absence of truth, where it's the, the actual exchanging the, the truth for a lie, where that lie is you are anything that you want to be, that there is no such thing as morality. There's no such thing as, as good and evil. It is only power. It is only power. And he also says in, in this clip, he mentions how That for thousands of years, it wasn't the case that the normative family was male-female kids, which we've talked about even on last episode, 246, I believe, where we talked about how it's a relatively new idea, that it wasn't until... Six, seven hundred years ago, when Christianity really began to push these normative values, it says pedophilia is wrong. That said, that that uh, you know, they said that one man should be married to a woman, and they should have kids. That that is the normal family. They said that no matter what class you are in, you have the same rights, and therefore you can't have a mistress on the side. That that's wrong. But these were the the Greek ideas that it was okay. It was okay to just use your body how you wished. So he's, he's right in saying that across cultures and across society, it is a new idea. And it was pushed by, as he said, colonialism. But it's not that new. It just hasn't been widespread. And when it comes to gender non-conforming, you look again at the three Abrahamic monotheistic faiths of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, and all three going back 4,000 years to the father of these faiths, Abraham. He received the law that said, don't cross-dress. The cross-dressing is an abomination that this it's ungodly. It should not happen. And, and there was a a small potent culture that grew and now has become what we call normative family values which i believe has helped propagate and grow and fuel the economic and the the technological developments that we have seen Over the last few hundred years, which have been extraordinary because when you have a a tight family values, a tight family where you know your children and you can pass on your wealth from generation to generation, that focus of thought and concentration creates a, a flywheel, creates a ratchet that over time, things begin to multiply. Knowledge and learning, technical technological advances begin to multiply, but it is, and that tends towards a capitalistic system, which of course they want to destroy.
1: He goes on. I don't have anything to prove. What I want us to rephrase the conversation is, are you ready to heal? And I don't think the majority of people are ready to heal. And that's why they repress us as trans and gender variant people, because they've done this violence to themselves first. And
0: that's that's the biggest idea, right? It's you are oppressed, you did this violence to yourself, and therefore you don't want to see that you've done this violence to yourself and that the the the, the reality that you're living in is actually a lie. And you're the one, you straight cisgendered person, you're the one that really needs to heal, but you're resisting it because you're the one that inflicted it upon it yourself. It's, these are the same arguments that, that you hear about, you know, your internal white suppression and how uh, Asian people are, have internalized white suppression and supremacy, and they're, such as rationality or showing up on time, that these are or, or using reason or logic, that these are things of, of power and supremacy that are used to oppress people. When nothing could be further than the truth they're actually used to empower people from the, the chains of poverty because there's not one system that has brought more people out of poverty than the ideas of of capitalism, uh, rationality and the scientific method this has empowered billions of people to escape poverty but uh you know, it's not all sunshine and daisies uh, for this, this gentleman. When you talk about what sort of freedom he, he wants to see, well, you can look at an old Facebook post of his, which was taken down, uh, and we can see why. He wrote this, I believe in the radical notion that little girls, like the rest of us, are complicated people. There are no fairy tales and no princesses here. Little girls are also queer, trans, kinky, deviant, kind, mean, beautiful, ugly, tremendous, and peculiar. Your kids aren't as straight and narrow as you think they are. Like everybody else, I've been a cute little girl, okay, (laughs) and gender non-conforming young adult. Let me tell you, everywhere along that spectrum, I've been complicated and strange. Here he is, sexualizing young girls as kinky and deviant. Is this the society? is this is this the the purity that we want to build within a society? And do we is this what we call honesty we we have we have lost we have lost the moral bearings on this ship. and sadly, it is it is not just confined to Hollywood and the West, but the, these ideas these are being pushed just flat off across across the globe well i i went and went beyond just the clip that youtube shared on twitter and i actually listened to most of this podcast i suffered for you and so i have two more shorter clips uh, on from him on this and here here's a clip talking about ideology versus compassion.
1: Yeah. We're always gonna mess up mm. because we are indoctrinated into a world that teaches us ideology, not
0: compassion. Mm. Well, ideology, not compassion. This is this is <laughs> clever phrasing for a world that teaches us reason, rationality, and truth, and, and a moral compass. That there is eternal moral laws. And when we throw that out, it is impossible to have real compassion. Compassion is not, you can just stay as you are, live as you are, do what you like. That is not compassion. Compassion is, I see that you are hurting, that you are in need, and I can reach out my hand in compassion, not to let you stay there, and to keep you there, but to call you up into truth, to call you up into your identity, to call you up into who you were created to be, so that you can heal. That is compassion. Healing is compassion, but the the way that they talk about healing, is it's not about actual uh, healing on the heart, soul, mind, and body. They're talking. The healing that they're talking about is throwing off the uh, heteropatriarchal systems that are 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 binding your mind and keeping you from seeing uh, and experiencing true true freedom. But this is not compassion at all. This is not compassion at all. This one last clip. F- for this segment, with a a lock, on what true freedom is according to according to to they,
1: and what we don't recognize is that true freedom is going to be uncomfortable, mm-hmm. because when we're so conditioned into this perpetual status of our unfreedom that calcifies, and so people think that what is natural and what is reality is actually a prison, and what I'm actually trying to say is. The only
0: gender rule is that there are no rules. The only gender rule is that there are no rules. This is not this is not truth and this is not freedom. This is confusion. Where there is where there is truth, there is freedom and where there is freedom, there is not confusion. There is not confusion, and all that we see from this movement is confusion, which tells us that it's not rooted in rationality, in morality, or truth. It's rooted in deception. It's rooted in twisting a, an individual's identity, their original design. Why they were, who they were born as. Why would they were placed on this earth, and that twisting causes confusion, and that is not freedom is truth that sets us free the the truth of immutable eternal laws and and realities that sets us free the truth that as we said before man was created male and female that's that is a binary yes there are intersex people but there there are but that does not mean that that was the original design of humanity and the reason that all of this is not compassion is because it leads to more confusion, and that confusion leads to destruction. Jordan Peterson tweeted uh, this week about about this very about this very topic. He said, "Mark my words. This is from August third, 2021. A very large portion of the instances on the distinction between gender and sex is undiagnosed." and self-serving narcissism. The distinction, a very large portion of the insistence on the distinction between gender and sex is undiagnosed and self-serving, in parentheses, narcissism. But by the time this is revealed clinically, many medical careers and innocent lives will be destroyed. And this is true because it is confusion, it is self-seeking narcissism in many of the cases, a large proportion of the cases, and it is destroying innocent lives and is going to end up destroying many medical careers. Well, this show is brought to you by listeners like you. This show is not brought to you by big mega corporate sponsors like the this podcast that ALOC was on. But if you get value out of the show, and I'm assuming that you do since you're an hour in and you are still around and still listening, then I ask that you would think about giving value back to the show and the value that you got out of it, whether that's $1, $50, or $100 to support the show and keep it on the air and keep us improving our our content to better serve you and the thousands that tune into the show every month. Thank you. We would not be here without you. Don't go away. Oh, how can you listen? How can you how can you support the show as a producer of the show? Well, you can do so by visiting lucasscrobot.com or you can get a bitcoin streaming app whether that be Breeze, Podfriend or Sphinx and you can load up your wallet with Bitcoin satoshis. And you can stream as you can stream sats, one cents and two cents as you listen to the show. Don't go away. We will be right back with our closing Weaver and Loom segment. Welcome back to Weaver and Loom, a part of the show where we take ancient wisdom and we weave it in with our everyday lives so that we can own our future, and weave our destinies. Today's quote is by Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who wrote in the book, The Gulag Archipelago*: power is a poison well known for thousands of years. If only no one were ever to acquire material power over others. But to the human being who has faith, in some force that holds dominion over all of us, and who is therefore conscious of his own limitations, power is not necessarily fatal. For those, however, who are unaware of any higher sphere, it is a deadly poison. For them, there is no antidote. When Alexander Solzhenitsyn is is writing in the Gulag Archipelago, about the USSR, communism, Marx and Engels, forthright in, in their writings, declared there is no God, there is no morality. There's only power. It is only those who have power and those who don't. And the the fallout of that ideology was that well, if there's no God, then there's only materialism. And if there's power, then we need to use that power to. Create an an equal society quality of outcome, but what happened was it, 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 it's what in some in many ways we're seeing today because there is no dominion over us where we believe that there is not a, a final day of judgment or, or, or a moral standard that we are being held by well then there then power really is a poison that corrupts through and through and there is no antidote for it. This is the the reason that many people have fears about what what these changes to apple makes. This is why people have fears about what does it mean if we move to a society of vaccine passports. This is why people have have concerns. And this is also why we talk so much about God on the show. I, there's been times people are like, why, why, are, you, why are you bringing up God? Why, why are you talking about God on the show? Well, it's because, it's because we've forgotten God. It's because we've stopped talking about the moral plumb lines. And because we've stopped talking about these moral plumb lines that hold society together, we've we've we are falling into the very same traps and the very same issues that we read in the Gulag Archipelago, of people getting turned in by their neighbors, people getting getting 25 years for for silly crimes of just trying to eat. Where people uh, were where anything that went against the the established narrative of those in power that was deemed misinformation and that was deemed hate crimes and that was deemed uh worthy of decades in hard labor camps are we there yet no is it necessarily a hundred percent a slippery slope to that no, but we are already seen it. And Alexander Solzhenitsyn also, he writes that over a half a century ago, while I was still a child, I recall hearing a number of old people offering the following explanation for the greatest disasters that have befallen Russia. They said, men have forgotten God. That is why all this has happened. He goes on to say, since then I've spent well-nigh 50 years working on the history of a revolution. In the process, I have read hundreds of books, collected hundreds of personal testimonies, I have contributed eight volumes of my own towards the effort of clearing away the rubble left by that upheaval. But if I were asked today to formulate as concisely as possible the main cause. Of the ruinous revolution that swallowed up some 60 million of our people. 60 million. I could not put it more accurately than to repeat. Men have forgotten God. And that is why all of this happened. When we do away with God and we worship ourselves, and we become self-sinking, uh, narcissistic, and and we forget the eternal moral order that orders the universe and our worlds and, and humanity. That we will all be judged on in one day. Then we will we suffer and we reap the consequences of our decision. We will reap the consequences in our personal life and in society. But the the reason that we speak of it so much here is because the mainstream media refuses to, use, because they don't. Because if we and it's because they they are deliberately forgetting God. Because if you can purge God from your conscious, if you can become the transcendent one, the divine one, as uh, the the clip from uh, yeah that makes sense segment said, Alok said, you know, because I am divine. We are divine. If you can be transcend in in your mind by canceling God and and becoming your own your own creator of morality, then you can silence that voice and that conscience and you can, without restraint, seek to control others and grab power because there is no fear of that judgment day. But let us remember. Let us remember humility. Let us remember meekness. Let us remember that at the end of each of our lives, we will give an account. Let us remember Google's famous, famous motto, do no evil. Knowing that that might keep us away from evil, but there's a higher calling, and that calling is love. Not love that just enables people to stay in their mess, but love that empowers us to walk out those higher callings of morality that each and every one of us know is true of love, peace, being filled with joy, kindness, being faithful to our relationships, speaking with gentleness, showing goodness, and having self-control over not just our physical bodies, but our mind and our emotions. That's all. Thanks for listening. If you get value out of the show, consider sharing it with a friend because you will get more value out of it by talking about these ideas with people in your community. It will build a culture that enables you to have language when and, and understanding when these attacks come against you and come against your community. So this week, remember, you are someone who goes and seeks and pursues truth because truth is a thing that brings true freedom and that freedom unlocks your purpose and that purpose will enable you to own your future.